Well, this morning, uh, we're going to talk about um, Noah. Actually, for the next several weeks, we're going to talk about Noah, the story of Noah and, and the ark. Uh, we, we don't talk about it much in big church. This is uh, one of those stories we've sort of relegated to children's church and uh, children's Sunday school. Uh, you know, we, we kind of turned it over to them. Uh, Frederick Buechner once made the comment that the saddest stories we know, we turn into children's stories. And I think he's right. Have you ever, if you've ever read the fairy tales, the way the Brothers Grimm wrote them, uh, they are dark. Uh, and then, um, you know, Disney came along and, and made them cheery and happy. But the original tales are quite, quite dark. Uh, Cinderella, for example, is, is a terrible story about an abusive step-parent and about a young woman who overcame all kinds of injustices to finally, you know, make something out of her life. Um, you know, in the Disney version, she has little mice and birds that come and help her. And, uh, but but the, the original story is not, not like that. It's, it's a lot darker. And I think that maybe we do the, um, the same thing in, with stories in the Bible. The ones that are a little dark for us, we turn them into children's stories and let the children take them and, and, and deal with them. You know, we, we Disney them up so they, they're a little more palatable. Uh, and, uh, you know, Samson, uh, you know, was an example of that. Um, I mean, Samson's life was a tragedy. Uh, I mean, here was a guy who spent his whole life in rebellion, and then at the end, he ends up killing himself and getting revenge. Uh, so we'll give that one to the children, let them take that one too. Uh, and Noah, the story of Noah becomes, you know, a plastic boat with a boat, the top that comes off and animals you put inside and, and you can take to the nursery. Uh, we, we can avoid those stories. We just give them to the children. But for the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at the story of Noah. Because in the Bible, it wasn't put in the Bible as a children's story. It was put in the Bible as an adult story. And, and so we're going to see what it, it has to say to us. So, um, so I'm going to begin reading the story to you this morning. It's found in the book of Genesis, chapter 6, beginning in verse 5. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on earth and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe them from the face of the earth, the human race I've created, and with them the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground. For I regret that I've made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time. He walked faithfully with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Jepheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight. It was full of violence. And God saw how corrupt the earth had become for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. And so that's where the story starts. And it's a sad story. God is so disappointed in the world that God made 
that God regrets ever making it in the first place. You know, a few chapters earlier, God created everything, and at the end of creating each thing, um, God said it was good, but it's no longer good. Now, it just, it, it just brings God pain every time he looks at what he made. And I want you to notice the thing that's mentioned several times is the violence. It's the violence that breaks God's heart. And I always find it interesting, you know, when Katrina hit New Orleans many years ago, and, and every time there's a natural catastrophe, uh, there's always these preachers that get on TV and, radio and, they, and they say it's because of whatever particular sin they don't like that was going on in that city. But with, with God, it was the violence. It was the violence and the corruption. And, and you know, I, I find it interesting. You know, I wonder sometimes if, you know, maybe that's why we give this story to the children because we, we've grown so accustomed to violence and we just turn our head, but God doesn't. God is so upset with violence. And, and I think maybe sometimes if we think God got that upset with the violence in Noah's day, what in the world does God think about the violence in our time? And the way we've learned to ignore it and make excuses for it. This weekend we honored Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And one of the great things about his life was that he believed in solving injustices in a non-violent way. I think he understood how much God abhors violence. And the result is God decided to just destroy everything he made. I mean, let that sink in. God just wanted to get rid of everything because it was so bad. Now, a lot of people still picture God that way. But, spoiler alert, at the end of the story, God decides not to destroy the world. And as a matter of fact, the rainbow is given as a symbol that God will never do that. Uh, the rainbow, you know, it's actually supposed to be a bow. You know, it's, it's bent, so it's like a bow that you would shoot an arrow with. And it's pointed away from the earth. That's the symbolism. Is that God is no longer angry with, with the world. It's pointed away. And so it becomes a symbol uh, that God would never destroy the world again. And so that symbolism is important. And so uh, that, that's how God operates today. Um, you know, in Jesus Christ, God showed us that his intention is not to destroy the world, but to redeem it. And that's what God is about. God is about redeeming the world. And so when people dig up passages about a vengeful God in the Old Testament and try to say that God relates to us that way today, they're missing, I think, the whole point of what Jesus tried to teach us with his life. And, and, and so God doesn't view us with vengeance and wrath, but God views us with love and with grace. And actually, there's even grace in this story because it says that Noah found favor with God. And I think there's an interesting phrase. It says he was blameless among the people of his time. <laughs> so, you know, compared to everybody else, Noah was doing pretty good. But that may not be saying much. You know, so I'm, I don't know. I'm not sure. Uh, there were these two brothers that lived in a small town. And, and they were just terrible human beings. They would lie, steal, cheat. If they caught somebody alone, they'd beat them up, take whatever they could. I mean, they, they were just awful human beings. And everybody in town knew it. And, uh, you know, usually if something was, you know, something happened bad, usually one of these brothers was behind it. Well, well one of the brothers died. 
And so his brother went to the Methodist pastor in the town and asked him if he would do the funeral. And he said, you know, everybody deserves to have something good said about them at their funeral. And I know nobody will say anything good about my brother, so I will give you $1,000 if you will say my brother was a saint. Well, word got out. And everybody heard about this. So at the funeral, it was packed. Everybody showed up to see if the preacher would cave in and lie for money. And so during the service, he said, that, you know, the pastor said, you all know this man. He was a liar, a cheat, a thief. He was a terrible human being. He treated people awful. But compared to his brother... He's a saint. So, so I don't know if, uh, you know, saying Noah was, uh, you know, among the people of his time, I don't know how big a compliment that really is. But, uh, but God told Noah to, to build this ark, and, and Noah obeyed. And I think this is another reason we like to send these stories to the children's church, because we don't like it when following God makes us look foolish. And Noah looked foolish. And sometimes it reminds us that when we obey God and try to do things the way God wants us to do them in our culture, people think we're foolish. We're foolish to believe what we believe. We're foolish to do what we do. And so, you know, we cringe at the thought of that. And Noah looked like a crazy old man out there building a ship in the middle of a desert without a cloud in sight. At the office Christmas party, they gave Noah an umbrella as a gag gift. Noah said he heard from God. Everyone else just thought it was hardening of their arteries. And you know the rest of the story. Noah loaded the ship up with his family and the animals, and they endured, you know, the rains came for 40 days and 40 nights, and they endured the storm. Um, and, you know, and actually, you know, we, we say 40 days and 40 nights. That's how long it rained. But then it took a long time for the waters to subside. So if you go back and really read the whole story, they were on the ark over a year before it finally touched ground and they could get off of it. And so then they, you know, they, they make it through the storm, they make it through the flood, the ark settles down, they all get off on dry ground. That would be a great place to end the story. But it doesn't end there. Over in chapter 9, Listen to these two verses. After, after they make it back to earth, or make it back to dry ground, Noah, a man of the soil, proceeded to plant a vineyard. And when he had drank some of his wine, he became drunk and lay uncovered inside of his tent. <laughs> so the first thing Noah did when he got off the boat was build a vineyard uh, so he could make some wine so he could get drunk. Now, this isn't just like some poor guy who happened to walk by a neighborhood bar when he was feeling down. Noah planted the grapes, waited for them to grow, harvested them, and made the wine so he could get drunk. And I picture him out there, you know, waiting on the grapes, saying, well, hurry up and grow. I, I need a drink. And, and, and then... After God uses Noah to save the human race, Noah ends up drunk 
lying naked in his tent. And I meant to say naked because there's a difference between naked and naked. Uh, Louis Grizzard points this out. Naked means you don't have any clothes on. Naked means you don't have any clothes on and you should. <laughs> Noah was naked. So it, it's a really challenging ending to the story. Because we like our, our biblical characters to be perfect. We like for them to have it all together because then we can say to God, I would like to do that, but you know, I don't have it all together. And I'm not like those people you used in the Bible who had it all together and their lives are all just right. We convince ourselves that God can't use us because we don't have all of our stuff together yet. It becomes a perfect get-out-of-obeying-God-free card. And we can say, well, God, I have a past. God, I don't have all these things in my life worked out yet. So, so God, I can't, you can't use me. And we have all these excuses for not doing the things God wants us to do. And here's the cold, hard truth. God isn't looking for people who have it all together. God is looking for people who are willing to do what God asks us to do. Now, God's looking for people who are willing to take their broken, hurting, sometimes embarrassing lives and just do what God asks us to do. Just reach out to those around us in the best way that we can. Henry Nouwen said, we're all just wounded healers. We just take our brokenness and out of that try to help someone else in their brokenness. This is what we learn. And, and I'm not saying that it's okay to go out and live however you want. I mean, we, we know better than that. That's not the point. The point is, if you don't have it all together yet, God still wants to use you. If your life is still messy, God wants to use you. If your life is complicated, God still wants to use you. That's the point. That's what we learn from Noah. And so here we are. We are like the full processional of biblical characters. We're not all good with words. We have tempers. We drag around baggage from past failures. We have doubts. Sometimes we're self-righteous. In other words, we're just like all the people God has ever used throughout time. So the real question is, it's not are you good enough? The real question is, are you willing to let God use you? I believe that this very week, God wants to use you to encourage someone, to let someone know they are worthy, they are loved, and they are valuable. Don't let the fact that your life isn't all together stop you from letting God use you because God can use your brokenness if you're willing to make it available to God. There is an old, bawdy Irish sea shanty 
with the words, what do you do with a drunken sailor? I knew some of you would know that. So. Well, what God can do with a drunken sailor is he can save the human race. <laughs> and if God can save the entire human race with a drunken sailor, just imagine what God just might want to do with you.